Hi, I'm Adam Sanford. I'm an academic life coach and professor in Los Angeles. And I'm Dinur Bloom. I'm a college professor in Los Angeles. And this is Learning Made Easier, a podcast where we discuss how we learn and how we teach and how they overlap. Welcome back to Learning Made Easier. This is episode 129, How to Say No. In our last episode, 128, we talked about how to be assertive with professors and with classmates. In this episode, we're going to dive a little deeper on that topic by talking about ways to approach being assertive, as well as how to handle it when the other person is angry, accusatory, or resistant. And finally, how to say no in ways that will hopefully keep the lines of communication open. There are several things you'll want to be sure you're doing while you're listening, expressing your feelings, specifying actions, and stating desired outcomes. It'll make it more likely that you'll get the results you want. First, be clear. Don't make demands and don't try to manipulate the other person into doing what you want. Instead, just say, this is what I need. For example, I need to understand how to do this assignment and right now I don't. I think it's because I don't understand steps three and four and I was wondering if you could help me understand them. For some of us, this may be difficult, but here's a trick. Focus on the bridge of the person's nose if you cannot handle looking in their eyes. This still comes across as looking in their eyes to the other person, and in Western society, eye contact communicates interest, respect, and a willingness to listen. Third, watch your body language. Don't cross your arms. Don't even cross your legs. Sit in an open position. Make sure that your jaw isn't clenched either, because the goal here is to look open to hearing what the other person has to say. And so you need to not look aggressive or tense or closed in. Fourth, avoid accusing the other person of doing things to make your life more difficult. One good way to do this is to avoid you statements. Don't say, you're wrong. Instead say, I disagree. Keep the responsibility for your own reactions squarely in your hands. Don't say, you made me angry. Instead, say, I feel frustrated about this. These all apply to the moment you're interacting with the person that you need to be assertive with. But before you do that, you should take a few moments also to make sure you've done your research on the request you're making, and you've taken time out to calm down if you're frustrated or angry about the situation. Going into these discussions with a clear head and a cool head is crucial if you're going to be successful. So then what do you do if the other person doesn't have a cool head? What if they're angry or accusatory or resistant? Well, there are some techniques to handle this as well. They're called fogging and the stuck record technique. Fogging is when you agree with anything truthful the other person says, even if it's a critical statement. When someone wants to fight, it's really going to derail them if you just keep saying, yeah, I can see where you're coming from, or I can see how that must have bothered you. It's creating a wall of fog into which accusations and attempts to argue are thrown and disappear. For example, You showed up late to our group meeting again. Don't you care about our grade? You're right. I'm sorry I was late. I know it's irritating when someone isn't on time. You'd better believe I'm irritated. You made us all wait around for 35 minutes. Yeah, I was thinking about that and kicking myself that you ought to wait that long. Well, why were you late? Are you okay? Notice that the wall of fog calms down the other person because they feel heard and validated. The stuck record technique is when you simply repeat what you want until the other person starts to listen. 
Don't raise the tone of your voice or get angry. And don't let them distract or derail you into side issues. Stay focused. Here's an example. I just got my exam back and the answer to the first essay question matches my notes from the lecture, but it's marked as incorrect. I'd like you to check that and revise my grade. I gave you the correct grade when I did the grading. I know you feel you did, but my answer matches the notes from the lecture. I'd like for you to check that and to revise my grade. I don't have time to do that right now. Okay. I'll come back to see you in your next office hours so you can check that question and revise my grade. Now notice the person who is doing the stuck record is basically saying, all right, you can't do it right now. I acknowledge that, but I will be back when we can meet and I expect you to do this. Another important part of assertiveness is learning how to take criticism and how to take compliments. Both of these can be really difficult for people who've never been shown how to handle them. So let's look at an example of taking a compliment. Your paper really impressed me. It was one of the best in the class. Thank you. What worked? I'd like to know so I can do it again later with my other papers. And here's an example of taking criticism. We went over this in class three different times. I'm really disappointed that your essay response did not cover the important points. You're right. It wasn't my best work. Do you have any suggestions for how I can improve for the next essay? Now, the last thing you want to learn to do with assertiveness, and it's admittedly a really tough one for a lot of people, is saying no. Many people are afraid of saying no. They're afraid it's going to make them look mean or unfriendly. And there's a lot of reasons why people are worried about that. Maybe they've been raised to believe that saying no is rude or uncaring or selfish, or that saying no means the other person won't like them anymore. Or they've been raised to believe that other people's needs are more important than theirs, or that they have to say yes to every request that's asked of them or they're not a good person. Maybe they feel like pleasing others and being helpful is something they should always do. Now, it's understandable to have these beliefs. They're really common in Western society, especially certain cultures inside Western society. But all of these beliefs are incorrect. The airlines, if you've ever taken a flight, they always tell you if you have the oxygen masks dropped down, put on your own oxygen mask first or else you won't be able to help anyone else. Saying no when it would hurt you to say yes is generally not a good idea. Also, when you say yes when you don't want to, resentment can build up. You can find yourself angry with the person you said yes to for imposing on you. But if you don't say no, they don't know that you really didn't want to do the thing they asked for. Saying no and setting boundaries is really important in college and after you graduate. If you're struggling with those beliefs about saying no, try these as replacements. Everyone has the right to ask for something, but everyone also has the right to refuse. This may be difficult for people who were raised in guest culture, which prizes indirectness and never asking for anything unless you're sure the answer will be yes, but it's both possible and preferable to remember that asking for something has to come with the assumption the answer will be no and being okay with that. Another thing is remember that saying no is only about the request. It's not about the person. You're not rejecting Mike. You're just rejecting what he's asked you to do. Remember that by saying no to certain requests, you're leaving other people the opportunity to say yes and get some of the credit. You don't have to say yes to everything. That's a great way to get overloaded and stressed out. 
So now that we've talked about how to deal with those beliefs, here's some things to keep in mind when you do say no. And we're just going to give here, do this, and then we're going to give an example of it most times. So be honest, but not rude. No, I'm afraid I can't do that. If it's hard to say no, say so. I don't like having to say this, but no, I can't do that. Keep it brief and to the point. No, I'm going to have to pass on that. If it's possible, be polite. Thanks for asking, but I'm going to have to say no. Deliver your no with a sincere smile and a kind tone. You don't have to be abrupt or rude. Just say, I'm sorry, I'm not able to do this. And don't apologize too much or give a lot of reasons, because if you give too many reasons, they'll sound like excuses, and you don't need to apologize for saying no. You always have the right to say it. Now, doing what Denor just said, you know, I'm sorry, but I can't do that, that's not really apologizing. But apologizing would be, I'm sorry, but there's just absolutely no way I can do this because my mother's in the hospital and my brother just got in a car accident. Okay, that's overkill. Just say, sorry, can't do it. Remember that if you say yes when you don't want to, you're going to feel resentful and bitter, and you don't want to feel like that. And finally, own your no. Saying I won't or I don't want to is probably better than I can't. Now, if I can't is actually the truth, like they want you to come to a party and you've already got something scheduled, I can't is fine. But it also kind of feels good to own your no, to say, no, I won't do that, or no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to is a perfectly acceptable reason not to do something. Now, can you use this for things that you really don't have a choice about, like, like your class assignments? Of course not. You can't say, no, I won't take that test and still expect to pass the class. But when someone's making a demand on your time, your effort, or your energy, and you can't give them that, or you really don't want to because you've got other things you want to do, or just because you don't want to, you totally have the right to say no and to own it. Finally, here are several ways to say no. One, the direct no. This is what you use when someone asks you to do something you don't want to do. Don't let them make their problem your problem. The second one is the reflecting no. Acknowledge the other person's request and then refuse. For example, I know you want to study together today, but I already have plans at two o'clock. The third no is the reasoned no. Give a brief and genuine reason why you can't say yes. I can't go out tonight because I have a report due for chemistry and I need to finish it by tomorrow. The fourth kind is the rain check no. This is saying no for right now, but maybe yes later. Now, don't do this unless you genuinely want to say yes, but there's just stuff in the way. Like, I can't go out tonight, but I've got an open night on Wednesday. How about then? The fifth one is the questioning no. This is like the rain check no, but it's asking if there's another way the person's need can be met. For example, right now I'm on my way to class, but is there another time we could meet? And finally, the broken record no, which is kind of like the stuck record technique we talked about in episode 128. This is just simple repetition. No, I can't go to dinner with you. Oh, come on. I know you've got the night free tonight. No, I can't go to dinner with you. I'll pay. Come on, don't be like this. No, I can't go to dinner with you. Be really firm, but just keep saying it over and over, and eventually it will penetrate, even if they're really being heavy-handed. Now... I will say that for this broken record, no, and people pressuring you to do something like go out on a date, it might be a good idea to make sure that you're with people so that you're not alone when you're saying no to someone who might attack you, okay? That's a danger. That's an issue. And we will be talking about how to keep yourself safe, and I believe it's in episode, what, 138, I think we said? But saying no, 
I can't do that. No, I can't do that. No, I can't do that. I had a friend whose parents had trained him to believe that saying I don't want to was absolutely not okay. And I talked him into saying to them, I don't want to do that when it came to going to some big family thing that they really didn't want to go to. Did the parents explode and get upset? Yes. Did my friend hold to those boundaries and say, I don't want to do that? Yes. Did the parents eventually realize they weren't allowed to tell their son what they could and could not want to do? Yes. It took a while, but the outcome was great. So with our experiences with this specifically, setting boundaries, like saying no, that has always been a problem for me. Just like I talked about being assertive has always been a problem for me. It scares me because it makes me worry. People aren't going to like me. What if they don't like me anymore? But more and more, I'm also leaning on the tomato garden metaphor for how to set boundaries and say no. Now, this is a metaphor that I ran into probably 20 years ago at this point. And the idea is your life is a tomato garden. Now, tomatoes are not known for being especially hardy plants. Like if you step on them, they don't recover very well. Okay, so they're kind of delicate. They're not as delicate as orchids, but they're not exactly hardy. Like they're not a pine tree. You know, they're not going to bounce back if you step on them. So think of your life as a tomato garden. And you have a hothouse in the back end of this tomato garden, a very small place where you're keeping the most precious tomato plants. The tomato plants out in the main garden are your life. So they are, you know, what you do for your job. They are what you're doing at school. They are what your friends groups look like, right, for the most part. Maybe not your dearest, closest friend. That might be in the hothouse. But most of your friends are out in the tomato garden, right? There are several groups of people that you might not want to let in further than the gate, and when I tell my students and my friends about this, I say there are three sets of boundaries. There's at the gate, there's in the garden, and there's in the hothouse. So most of your life is out in the garden, all right? And the people that you might want to keep at the gate are the ones who first are just too clumsy and don't know where to put their feet. And you know that if you let them in, there's going to be knocked over pots and smushed tomatoes and broken plants. Not because they're doing it maliciously, but just because they can't seem to handle themselves and keep from knocking over your stuff. So you'll talk with them at the gate, but you will not let them into the garden. And what this might look like is you'll chat with your great aunt about, you know, family business at the at the garden gate. You'll talk with them about what your cousin Gerda is doing. But you won't let them come inside and look at what you're doing for your job or what you're doing at school because you know that they'll inevitably start criticizing you or hurting your feelings, not because they mean to, but just because that's how great aunt is. And so you don't want to let them in any further than the gate. Other groups of people who might be gate people will be people who maybe do have some malicious intent, like that coworker, right? You have to put up with them, you have to work with them, but you don't have to let them come in the gate and trample all over your damn tomatoes. And then there are the people who get to come into the garden. These are people who either already know where to put their feet and know how to watch it and not knock over your plants and break them, or people who have in the past broken them, but they've learned better. And they tell you, yeah, I'm really, really aware of my feet now. I really make sure that I don't say things like that thing I said at your birthday party four years ago that really hurt your feelings. You know, I'm doing my best to make sure that I keep a lid on my tongue, that I'm not letting myself say things that hurt you. Okay. These are people who get to come back in the garden. Maybe that second group of people, the ones who are, you know, still learning how to not be a klutz, maybe you supervise them a little closer. Maybe you call them on it and you say, you know what? remember you're coming up on saying something that hurt me last time could we maybe change the subject okay so you steer them away from the tomato plants where they had hurt you before and then the last group is the people who get to be in the hothouse and in the hothouse are the most important plants your values 
those really deep concepts of self, something that you know you love about yourself, but that it's hard to be vulnerable about, right? These are the places where you only let the people who are absolutely the closest in your life ever see them. So these might be people who are like your partner, okay, or your absolute best friend that you've had since high school, right? People that you would trust with your life. They get to come into the hothouse, but your teacher doesn't get to come into the hothouse. Your boss doesn't get to come into the hothouse. Your friends that you meet up with at the bar every week or so, they don't get to come into the hothouse, right? They don't have that level of access. That boundary is tight, okay? So you generally might let two or three people into the hothouse. Now, we've all known people who don't know how to set boundaries. So we've all known people who don't know how to set boundaries. And these are the people for whom not only is the garden gate open, but the hothouse gate or door is open. And people are coming in and trampling through their stuff all the time and hurting them. And they don't understand why they're being hurt. And when they're told, you got to tell people you can't come in the hothouse, you can't come in the garden. They say, but that's mean. I need to be open to everybody. I need to help everybody. That's what I do. Okay. But if you're the kind of person that keeps giving and giving and giving and giving, what you're doing is letting them come in and rip up all your tomatoes and then you have no garden. So you got to protect your own self. You got to protect your own tomato garden. So that's what I've learned about setting boundaries and specifically saying no, no, this far and no further. What Adam calls the tomato garden, I'm going to adapt and call the posh club metaphor. Your life is a club. You're private life is the VIP section. Everyone else gets to stand outside that velvet rope. Doesn't mean they're not welcome at all. Doesn't mean you won't interact with them. It just means that the stuff that you value the most is for the VIPs. Because there are two things we don't ever get back when we give them, and that's time and that's energy. And so you want to make sure that the time and energy you give to people is time that's worthwhile for you. It's energy that's worthwhile, that it's fulfilling for you. I've had to learn to say no to working on projects, even ones I find really, really, really interesting and fun because there are times I know I won't have the time or the energy or the focus to help the person or the people who invited me. And I feel like I'd be letting them down if I said yes and not been able to contribute. Sometimes saying no is not because we're bored or we think it's a bad idea. It's out of knowing we cannot give that time and that energy as fairly as we would like, or as we think others would expect us. And we respect other people's efforts too much to agree to something that we can't adequately help them with. Sometimes saying no is an act of kindness, even if it seems mean in the moment. So that's what we have for you in episode 129. If you're finding this podcast helpful, please share it with your friends. We're always hoping to get new subscribers so we can help more people. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Android. We're hosted on Blueberry.com. And also, we'd really appreciate it if you'd write a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts. Be sure to join us next week for episode 130, when we'll talk about how to handle difficult people. You've been listening to Learning Made Easier, a podcast about how we learn, how we teach, and how they overlap. We want to say thank you to all of our supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you want to support us, please go to www.patreon.com slash learning made easier. We look forward to seeing you next week.